welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, takes it in! With your host, Gallius Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip. Oh, here we are again. The Hang Time Podcast. Right here from the uh, Hideout Studios here in Atlanta. Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Got Keith and Micah behind the glass doing their thing. Micah, good to see you again. Glad you made it through the weekend. I did. Uh, I understand uh, there's some sad times for the Smyrna Spartans. Yeah. Uh, we didn't wear our costumes properly over the weekend. Our Halloween costumes didn't work. We tried to scare an undefeated team out of the first round of the playoffs, and instead we were – Trampled. So, 32-6, season's over. The Spartans have bit the dust. But, you know, we'll, we'll survive. We'll we'll try and find a way. Uh, Lang Whitaker, our normal co-host here on the Hangtime Podcast, is in the ether today. He's he's riding trains and, uh, you know, traveling. So, Lang, be safe out there, and we will try and catch up with you, obviously, next week when the show comes back on. But, yes, again, the – just so everybody knows, the Smyrna Spartans season is done. We are uh, finished up in the first round of the playoffs against an undefeated team, lost. Uh, you know, so y'all won't have to worry about me carrying on about them anymore, Keith. I know you were tired of it, so um, we'll get back to basketball around here. Hope everybody appreciates it. <laughs> but uh, there were so much went on the first week of the season, uh, and I'm not sure – I can remember a better start to a season if you just look at all of the different players and teams we wanted to look at. You know, uh, the rookies, the Miami Heat's first week, uh, the Celtics and Lakers back. I know we talked about Spartan teams that that took it on the chin over the weekend, uh, Mike, and I was talking about the Smyrna Spartans, but there was another Spartans team that took a big L this Saturday now, and I don't want to leave them out. So uh, that's why we got Steve Smith of NBA TV and Michigan State fame joining us now. Smitty, listen. I wanted you on before they lost so we could make sure we talked about that glorious undefeated record. Instead, we got you today. How you feeling, man? Thank you. It was very convenient you got me today. Uh, so I know none of the listeners believe that. It's, uh, by choice that you got me after our big loss. But I'm good. We're Spartans, and uh, I think we're still in first in the Big Ten, and you're a Wolverine. Uh, that's another subject. Exactly, man. No, I'm kidding. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you. How you guys doing? Good, man. We're just – Kind of, you know, putting the capper on the first week of the season and looking forward to the to the rest of the way, man. We're, we were excited around here to, to get things kicked off, obviously, you know, to see Blake Griffin, uh, to see the heat in action and all this, all this action going on. What stood out to you from that first week? Well, I think uh, a team that stood out for me was the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, everybody would probably say, duh, but I think what I, the, my thing was this team has Andrew Bynum that's injured. They have some injuries at an important spot. This team is a great team, a championship team that's gotten better, which is scary. A right. championship team that's gotten deeper. And then all the, the new guys and new additions, just, the way they played the first three games, it looks like they've been with the team four or five years. Steve Blake has fit in extremely well. Matt Barnes in his role. Uh, even Theo Ratliff and the two rookies coming off the bench. Uh, Phil Jackson is going to them early. And I think when you look at a situation where he has – four or five guys as new additions that he can go to to add to what those what he already has. And then also he can pretty much rest a Powell Casal, a rest a Kobe Bryant, even though they're playing 30, 35 minutes, 36 minutes 
it's not hard minutes. And you can tell he's going in and out of the lineup with him. He's comfortable with the other guys. Uh, they're scary. I think um, player for me uh, is uh, Rajon Rondo. I mean, mm, what he's yes. done at that point guard spot. And, and we are point guard heavy league. He separated himself so far. And we all, all know right. it's just the first week. Uh, a disappointing team for me. Uh, it's kind of the Clippers, even though a lot of people, a lot of people didn't have them pick the playoffs. I thought they would have a better showing because right. they, they're stacked at every position. And then player for me is Rashard Lewis. A little disappointed, mm-hmm. and not so much all his fault. I was really looking forward to the first two games of him playing the small forward position, and he hasn't played the small forward position yet in the first two games. And you saw how it still hurts the Orlando Magic and him individually when they play a great team in the Miami Heat. They can get by against the Wizards, but I don't think they can get by against the top six, seven teams in this league with Rashad playing at the four. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, you know, it's funny. I thought about you the other night when Blake Griffin went up on that first putback. You know, he had that dunk, and then he went up for the putback on, I think, his second one. And I thought Smitty is somewhere right now jumping out of his chair because we have that same reaction whenever we yeah. see somebody go Donkey Kong off the floor like that. Um I, is he is he as scary looking to you as he was to me the other night? Just watching him work like that and watching him, you know, with that bounce and that that size. I, it, I totally agree, Sekou. Reason why, uh, even if he wasn't hurt and he set out a year, you know, it was unreal to get a chance to see. But to also take in effect that this this kid had to sit out an entire year, and sometimes you lose your time and you lose a lot of different aspects of your game, and it might take some time. It looks like he hasn't missed a beat. Uh, he hasn't had a chance to play a lot of up and down. You know, they held him out a little bit in preseason, especially in summer league. He didn't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like he fits right in. I mean, he attacks the game similar to like a Gerald Wallace to me, where, you know, Gerald Wallace is a guy that goes 100%. And then for me, the, for him to be averaging the numbers he's averaging, I think it's around 17 and 11 for a rookie. And they don't run any plays for him. And this is not just a banger. He's a skillful banger. He's going to bang because that's what he does. But he can actually handle the basketball, make plays, post up, face up, and knock down that jump shot. So once the Clippers and everybody realizes, hey, you can go to him a little bit, those numbers are even go uh, get better. And 17-11 so far, uh, no one would be mad at those numbers. Right. Smitty, you know, you talk about him and all the talent that the Clippers have. I almost wonder if it's almost kind of similar to when LeBron was his rookie year in Cleveland. It, it just seems like with so much talent they have, Griffin is still possibly their best player. But if they don't defer to him, you know, he's not really going to – have that effect on them well you know like, like I, I totally agree I, for me is I think that's when it comes down to coaches you know you can have a lot of talent but if you don't define roles as coaches players just go out there and it's not being selfish you go out there and play to what you think is best for the team or, or what's best for you individually and I think that's where Vinny Del Negros have to really got to come out and say hey the ball is going through whoever he chooses whoever's best for the team I think when you look at Milwaukee uh, he really sat down with Scott Skiles and said, hey, Andrew Bogut, the ball is going through him for us to, to win. Andrew Bogut is a guy we know has talent, but I don't think he has the personality to be a number one guy. Scott Skiles is making this team saying this is what we need to do to go through Bogut first and then we play off him. I think that's what the same thing that Vinny Del Negros has to do in Clipperland. You know, Smitty, I'm looking at the standings right now, and I seem to notice that uh, <laughs> anybody that employed you at any point in time seems to be off to a good start. I mean, the Blazers are three and zero. The Hawks are three and zero. The Hornets are three and zero. What's going on with that? Well, you know, I, I leave good vibes when I leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a coincidence, and the one thing it is, Mike, there's so many teams. Uh, I got a lot, a lot to choose from. So, but all the teams are doing well. And Atlanta Hawks, you got to give Larry Drew 
a lot of credit. The, not only we know the Atlanta Hawks is talented, but the offense, they're moving the basketball, guys are moving, and, and then hopefully for Lager and the Hawks, this can last. Smitty, you mentioned Rajon Rondo, and it brought up an interesting point. Um, do you feel like Rondo is at a at the stage of his career right now where he senses there's kind of a whole, you know, Darren Williams is going through some interesting, you know, transition out there in Utah. Chris Paul was injured last year. Derrick Rose is on the come up. There are a lot of good young point guards. But maybe Rondo senses that it's his time to assume that position as the best point guard in the league. And, and he's never battled confidence issues, as we know. So, I mean, do you feel like he kind of sees a chance to, to step into that void and be the guy at point guard? I think so, Seku. And I think, like you said, you hit it right on the nose. He doesn't lack confidence. And the reason why he's one of my favorite players to watch, um, when even when he came in the league and he's in Kentucky, he plays with that chip on his shoulder. And I, I, you can tell there's, there's obviously might be guys more talented, bigger, but he feels I can come out here and compete. And I think, you know, you look at his deficiencies, everybody keeps saying he can't shoot. But I think it comes down to he can win games. He wins games on the defensive end, defensive end and not on the offensive end. Yes, he might be a liability of shooting the 15- to 17-foot jumbo or the three-point shot, but he controls this game with the basketball wide with his pass, his penetration. And I love when you have superstars that turn around on the other end and he is taking point guards out of their rhythm, which in turn takes that team out of their rhythm. Uh, he's doing it on both ends, and then you got to give him a lot of credit. Which, How many point guards, young point guards, can go in the locker room with KG, Shaq, yeah. Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and demand that respect? And guys listen to him, and when he claps for the basketball, they get it to him. Right. So I think he has a more pressure than, say, some of these young point guards who are playing with younger guys. He's playing with four or five Hall of Famers, right? And they are listening to him and trusting him. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Smitty. You, we got another uh, bit of breaking news here, Smitty. Al Horford has uh, signed his extension with the Hawks, five years of sixty million is the the numbers that are believed to be uh, in play there. You surprised at all that Horford had to go down to the wire to get this extension done? Uh, I am, and obviously we're we're behind the scenes. We don't know what happened behind the scenes, but when you look at Al Horford, he's everything you ask for. Yeah, uh, a guy off the court will do whatever it takes. Uh, a gentleman, uh, what you want, comes out, works hard. Um, obviously, you know, Saker, we saw him up and close. I thought his first year he could have been one of the leaders or the captains of the team. Right, uh, and obviously, I think now you look to him, and you don't have to be vocal, but Al Horford sets a lot of examples. Uh, plays hard, getting better, and he's playing out of position for you. He does whatever he asks for. So sometimes I think organizations have to recognize you got to reward guys. And then let's just throw in on his play. He's an all-star. Yeah. And the team is continually getting better. So I think the Hawks were smart to, to definitely extend him. And I think you should have did it before. I know some teams don't want to do it, but there are certain guys, you know, a, a Kevin Durant, obviously because he's a superstar. But mm -hmm. I thought Noah and Al Horford, those are pieces you just can't, can't have. And those are pieces, if you do, Sign him. You somebody will always vote Noah and Al Horford. So if you want right. to move them, it's no problem. Right. Yeah. That's uh, they have now. Uh, you know, basically a core group of Joe Johnson, Al Horford, Josh Smith locked up. Marvin Williams, even if you want to include him in there, locked up for the next you know four to six years. That to me at least gives them an opportunity to continue to compete in the East for the foreseeable future. I don't know if we can say that about some of these other teams around the league who are in flux right now. Uh, you're totally right, Seku. There's some teams, like you can say, it, 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 the, the future looks bright, but uh, <laughs> I don't think nobody has a core like this that signed uh, for four or five years together, yeah. the next four or five years. Um, and there's no core like the, the Lakers and the Orlando Magic, but I think if somehow uh, the Atlanta Hawks can add another piece 
and I think it has to be point guard position or, or the center spot. Now you're talking about, like you said, Atlanta Hawks being very good for a long time. Yeah. Smitty, you know, you talk about getting a core together, and it seems like, to me at least, chemistry is such an important part. Obviously, you know better having been in the locker room with all these different teams, but when you look at Atlanta, they've got four guys that you know are going to be together for the foreseeable future. Then you look at a team like Miami that's just kind of thrown it all together and they're going to kind of have to work it out as they go. It sort of worked for Boston. Obviously, they won a title. But, how? I mean, how much does that play into this? It does, and it's different situations. I think that's what makes Boston's situation so unique because every guy on that court and every guy that demand that ad for their team is only about winning. All those guys have all those individual awards. All of them are set financially. So, And then all of them are at the age. What else do we have to prove but to go out here to win? And all the guys that they bring in, either they have a chip on their shoulder or the, the core group helps them develop a chip on their shoulder. Uh, Kendrick Perkins was a guy I thought was a nice player. But his attitude, his approach to the game changed when the big three was formed and with Doc Rivers. Uh, so I think when you look at it right now, that team – has a, a template that if you come play for the Boston Celtics, we're about winning, no nonsense. And I think that's why Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches and what they're doing in Boston is one of the best situations in the NBA. No doubt about it. Smitty, listen, lick your wounds this week. You know, the Spartans will be back. I know y'all got a chance to finish out the Big Ten season, and, and I I know we talked a little bit about betting on the season. I'm so glad I won't be wearing a <laughs> Michigan State sweatsuit or something crazy around here. Um and if they do, listen, if they get to the Rose Bowl, I will hitchhike to Pasadena. That's how serious I am about making a bet about Michigan State. I don't think they get into the Rose Bowl. It's just me. So. Uh, I will hitchhike with you with the Wolverines to the Motor City Bowl. We both can ride our bikes up the street from Ann Arbor because that's probably the best they're going to the Motor City Bowl. But I appreciate it. Thank you for you at the Rose Bowl. No doubt, man. Thanks, Smitty. See you later. All right, now, listen. He's serious, too, now. He would, he would literally get on that bike and we can ride from Ann Arbor to Detroit for the Motor City Bowl. It's got to be tough for you right now, Sekou, because, you know, brutal. you're used to dominating that state yeah, for the brutal. most part. It's, it's kind of hard times in Ann Arbor. It's brutal. Ever since Mike Hart jokingly called him little brother, they have been beating the big brother out of us in, a, in just about everything. It's, it's completely embarrassing. Listen, you know, it's hard times for traditional powers right now, Micah. Look at your, long, your Texas Longhorns have lost four games. What, two or three at home? Someone tweeted uh, yesterday, and you know, as Texas fans, we love any time that Oklahoma can put one over on us. Someone tweeted that uh, Texas has lost more home games in the last month than Stoops has lost since yeah, he's been that. at Oklahoma. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. You know, thank goodness for basketball. That's all I got to say is thank goodness for the NBA. I have to sit around here and be miserable about football. Smitty raised a really good point. You know, you talk about Blake Griffin out of that first week. You talk about the heat and how they've looked, all this other stuff. Rajon Rondo has really been the the breakout cat from the first week of the season. If you look at he had what he had eighteen assists opening night, and then he comes back with a with a twenty four spot later in the week. That's ridiculous. You know it'll be interesting. We keep talking about LeBron versus Durant for MVP. I gotta feel like Rondo may have something to say about that, and it'd be interesting. You know I will have to look it up, but I wonder how many MVPs have ever averaged you know less than ten points a game which I, I don't know if he'd really average that little, but he, he can dominate without scoring. I mean, that's one thing we've definitely seen. No no question about it. And the the one underlying factor in Rondo's game that I think is never going to go away is if he ever develops 
remember how Magic developed that shot later in his career, like, you know, four or five years in? Magic became just a, a knockdown spot shooter. Like, he wasn't a great jump shooter. But he can sit there and set up and make shots. If Rondo ever gets to the point where you have to play him all over that floor, like, you don't have to play him for the drive. You got to actually worry about him making that jumper from 18 to 23 feet even. If he could shoot threes, it would be over. I mean, it's it'd be ridiculous. Well, the thing I don't get is he played in the horse competition last year at the All-Star break, and if you remember, they had to just go to basically shooting from the top of the key, and he and Durant both made like, I don't know, like 18 out of 20 in a row, and you're sitting there watching like, how come he can't do this during a game? He was doing it effortlessly. Yeah, I, listen, th- those competitions are totally different you know, entities than – the flow of a game like you got to be able to knock down a, a jump shot on the run in traffic I mean with a hand in your face there's so many components to being a great shooter I think in the NBA and it's a nuance that you have to really work at it's not something you can just magically do I mean there are some guys who are gifted shooters I, I think you would agree with that Micah and I think anybody would agree that there are some guys who are just naturally gifted shooters Rondo that's not one of his gifts he's got many you know, being a great natural shooter is not one of them, so it's something he has to work on. But if he can find a way to just hone that part of his game and really smooth it out, he is absolutely devastating for the Boston Celtics. All right, Michael. Well, we listen, we, we keep talking about we, – we're kind of flip-flopping here today. We talk about vets and, the, you know, the Heat and Rondo, and then we talk about Blake Griffin and John Wall and these rookies. If we're going to talk rookies, there's no way we're not going to – Reach out to our uh, good friend from NBA.com, Drew Packham, the man where rookies are concerned that you need to read. Drew, what's happening? Not much. How's it going, Siku? Good, man. Uh, Micah and I have been sitting here. Like I, Micah has described in detail, unfortunately, his reaction to Blake Griffin's first five minutes as a pro. I won't go into that again because it <laughs> involves him and a bed and bad stuff. But Oh, man. <laughs> That makes it sound so much worse than what I actually said. But Drew, just now, see, now I got to clear the air because now everyone's going to. All I said was, I was laying in bed watching the game. My wife was asleep, and he had his TMI. first dunk when they came on, and it, like sat up so TMI. quick because I was so just like, oh my god! And my wife woke up and got mad at me. <laughs> That's all right. Everybody had, everybody had the same reaction. We all just weren't in bed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, I jumped off the couch, like literally jumped up off the couch, hollering. Uh, yeah. On his his first two or three, you know, liftoffs. I mean, the dude is ridiculous in terms of bounce and, you know, just how big he is. I wasn't sure what we'd get after him, you know, after he, he had to miss his entire rookie season, Drew. Yeah. But I feel like we're in for another crazy roller coaster rookie of the year race like we had last year with Tyreek and, you know, and Steph Curry and Brandon Jennings and that crew. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, from what we've seen from Wall, I mean – he looks just as, as as much the real thing, you know. But, yeah, Griffin, my, my reaction, I was laughing. I mean, I was just like, <laughs> this can't be happening. You know, it was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I thought he was going to dunk for 20 points, <laughs> you know. And he basically did. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's just he's going he's gonna to blow us away with some of the things he does, yeah. and that's going to be just so fun to watch. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Last year, last year we had a case where – you know, as the season wore on, people wondered if Tyreek could kind of keep up the pace. You know, could he keep putting up 25 yeah. and 5 every night? You know, and, and Steph came on late, you know, with the huge scoring nights. He didn't, you know, he didn't start off the season crazy hot like like he finished it. 
What do you think are the roadblocks potentially for, for Wall and for Blake Griffin in terms of their games and how it's going to translate over an 82-game season, Brew? Well, you know, here's with, with Griffin, I think he's going to get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, he's struggled with his shot through. I mean, it's only been a couple games, but right. you can see he's struggled with his shot and maybe, you know, pushed things a little too much. But I think as the season goes on, he's going to get better. Um, and I think Wall will too as, you know, they learn the game and, and figure things out. So those two, I think, will get better and better. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, who comes out of nowhere and maybe, you know, starts surprising. Because that happened last year with a few guys. Yeah, yeah. And and so that'll that'll be what'll be fun to see, you know. Who do you I'm, think? I'm looking forward to that. Who do you think, Drew, like, you know, there's a it's a rookie class that's really interesting when you consider, you know, Greg Monroe, you know, was one of those guys that was taken high. And if you look at the Pistons team right now, it's not really set up for him to have some monster rookie year. Who were some of the guys taken later in the draft that you think, or maybe one guy even, that could have that Dewan Blair type impact or uh, you know that Chase Budinger type impact? Budinger, I'm sorry, I heard the other day his name is not Budinger, it's Budinger. So I, I, make I sure never I know. I never knew how to say his name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard it watching League Pass the other day. I heard the announcer talking about. I was like, I can't believe I I messed that up. So, but I mean, who do you think is that one guy? you know, that, that maybe comes out of the pack of those rookies and, and surprises us later? Well, my early surprise, and I think it surprised a lot of people, was Landry Fields. Yeah, I could believe he started. Starting, you know, he's starting for the Knicks. He's yeah. obviously won a spot in D'Antoni's heart. You know, and he's one of these guys that's just, he's not going to have any plays run for him, but right. he's going to do, do the dirty work. Yeah. A lot of line, long lines of like a Jarebko last year. Yeah. You know, Jarebko came out of the second round. And, you know, Fields is also a second rounder, I believe, you know, and, and he's just doing going to do the dirty work. He's, you know, through a couple of three games, he's got like 11 points per game or something like that. So he's one. Another one I could see um, kind of stepping up, not really a late pick, but I like uh, Paul George in, with the Pacers. Mm-hmm. He seems to be uh, fitting in well there. And if he can get his shot going, he could be, uh, he could stick there. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't, uh, had the chance to really study some of the rookies that, that haven't seen big minutes, you know. Um, yeah. Al Farouk Aminu is one that I thought would play big minutes for the Clippers. And I and it, it's funny, they get into camp and things kind of shake out, and there's really nowhere, there's no room for them to play. Um, and I'm wondering, are we going to see some of these rookies get kind of lost in the shuffle early on here because teams are trying to figure out exactly where they stand with their vets and, and do some jockeying for position and not – and again, I talk, I think back to Steph Curry last year, where it was kind of they couldn't figure out where he fit early in the year. Maybe somebody that's that's sitting on the bench right now watching becomes a factor. You know, one of these high picks. And I'm I don't know what you, what you, Michael, or you, Drew, think about this, but for some reason, I keep thinking Demarcus Cousins at some point is going to weigh in on this thing, on this rookie of the year race, and, and start playing well. I saw him early on, but he to me seems like a guy that's going to get better and better, especially when Sam Dallenberg comes back. Yeah, I, I love I love Cousins. I love his little mean streak he's got, even though, you know, he's been criticized for it. You know, it, it's refreshing to see him, you know, playing with such passion. You know, and this is an interesting rookie class because on at, through a couple games, it doesn't look to be as deep as last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking at minutes alone, there's only maybe six or seven guys that are getting more than 20 minutes a game. Yeah. You know, and last year we were seeing, you know, there was like at least 15 or 16 guys that were getting big minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, Taj and Gibson so, and guys like that, everybody. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, somebody comes out of the pack, you know, maybe Aminu starts getting more minutes or, you know, someone like Damian James with the Nets, you know, someone that just kind of, you know, comes out of nowhere like that. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden his coach gives him a chance. And next thing you know, he's averaging 10, 12 points a game, you know. I've uh, I've certainly heard, you know, you're talking about guys coming out sort of out of nowhere. I mean, you look at a guy last year like Darren Collison who really mm-hmm. wasn't getting much burn, and then Chris Paul gets hurt, and he fills in. All of a sudden you find out, oh, wow, this guy's actually a legit, you know, NBA starting point guard, and now he's doing that in, in Indiana. I, I'd like to see where some of that sort of plays into it, like injuries giving guys opportunities. Uh, you know, Jordan Crawford I know was a guy that I liked before the draft uh, for what he did at Xavier He's kind of a guy like you're talking about, Sekou, uh, who's kind of buried. But there's really nowhere right for him now. to go. Yeah. But if some, if Jamal Crawford or Joe Johnson were to get hurt, I'd be interested to see what he could do. Yeah. Yeah. Another guy like that that I see is like a Dominique Jones and with the Mavs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's getting a little bit of run right now with Roddy Roddy uh, Bobois out. You know, but you know, if say you know Kid or or Bobois doesn't even come back, you know, they could really increase his minutes. He could do something similar too. You know. Yeah, so it's, that's the fun thing about the rookies is you just never know. Yeah. You know, it's like from a from one night to the next, you know, some coach might give a guy a chance, and the next thing you know, he's he's won a starting starting spot. You know, exactly. So, Drew, the the T-Mobile rookie report. Uh, when when is this thing crank up, and when do we get going uh, full bore so we people can check it out on NBA.com? You can check it out on Wednesdays, and it's going to be called the Rookie Ladder this year. Rookie Ladder. I like the Kind of like you did during Summer League then. It's exactly what I did during Summer Sweet. League. So I'll be ranking them kind of, you know, more not just once a week. Kind of throughout the week we'll be moving guys up and down depending on how they, how they do. Mm-hmm. So it'll be more free-flowing than, like, the rankings. Okay. And we won't have a set rankings, but they will come out on Wednesdays every week. Sweet. So – Drew Packham, NBA.com's rookie guru, the man, good friend of the show. DP, uh, anytime you want to come in and hang with us in the studio, you are always welcome. Don't forget that. All right. All right, man. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks now. All right. Take care. Micah, I, I still love the idea of updating these rookies as they go. To me, that is one of the, f- the freshest things we do at NBA.com because – who who better to get lost in the shuffle of a, a long season than the rookies? And we spend all that time leading up to the draft, right after the draft, summer league. They're the only thing we're focused on for like two and a half months, and then the season starts, and it used to be like, oh, yeah, you know, if you're not a high pick or you're not a guy who's playing a starring role on your team, we just kind of forget about you. The, the rookie ladder on NBA.com will give you a chance to keep up with these cats nonstop. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I love – not every year is the same with how you you know you were talking about how the rookie race kind of comes together and it seems like a lot of times it is sort of like a horse race where one guy will kind of just break out at the beginning of the season and you say oh well that dude is going to win you know Brandon Jennings last year going for 55 and that was crazy and at the beginning of the season most people were like well he's the clear you know the clear favorite and then not even to say that he faded all that much because he still ended up having you know a great rookie season, but Tyreek Evans came on strong, and yep. you see that I feel like a lot of years. Like I remember uh, Dikembe. I mean, this is going way back, but Dikembe came out the blocks amazing, <laughs> and and it's kind of the same kind of thing. And then Larry Johnson kind of got it going and ended up taking the top spot from him. So it's always interesting to see like who gets it when. Yeah. 
A lot of people think if there had been another two weeks to the season last year, Steph Curry would have stolen that thing. Yeah, I if mean, if the season had started like a month later, <laughs> yeah. I, I totally agree. Because yeah. once they sort of, like you said, once they figured out where he belonged, he blew up. Yeah, and I thought it was a – you could have gone either way at the end of last season and nobody could have complained. And then when, after the playoffs started and you see Brandon Jennings on a big stage perform the way he did, you go, there was three of them. Three of those guys. Any one of those three could have been – a legitimate rookie of the year winner last season and nobody should have you know complained about one of the three winning it. So. Well, and it's also it's always interesting to look in hindsight how a draft pans out. You know, last year all people talked about was Blake Griffin. And that was it. There was no one else in that class that was really worth anything. It was Blake Griffin and the, you know, 29 dwarves or whatever. And we look <laughs> back and you have so many guys that could be potential all-star players. Very interesting to see how this draft class plays out. I, I feel Somewhat similar. I don't feel like people thought of this as a particularly deep draft class either. No, you're right. And you bring up a great point, draft classes. Um, you know, the, the flip side of that draft class is three, four years in their career, there comes a time when it, you either get an extension on your rookie deal, you know, you sign one of these big extensions or not. And we mentioned Al Horford earlier, that draft class of 2007, you know, with Kevin Durant, who's already got his extension, uh, Greg Oden, who will not get one, one of the many players from that 2000 draft class who's it's already come out, will not get an extension on his rookie deal. Horford gets his today on the deadline day. So he basically, you know, slides in under, under the uh, mark to get it done. Joe Kim Noah is the other standout from the, from the lottery who ends up with an extension out of that class. It's staggering to me, Micah, that we're going to have all of three players in that lottery that end up with extension. Now, they're extenuating circumstances, obviously. You go into a, you're talking about going into a summer where we're still hashing out the details of a, of a new collective bargaining agreement, hopefully, that will get done and, and, and keep, it from, uh, keep the league from having a work stoppage of any sorts. But for three guys out of such a celebrated draft class to end up with extensions and no one else, to me, is just staggering. I cannot – I can't understand – how you could get to that point with so few guys being a part of this conversation where you're talking about contract extensions off their rookie deals. Uh, and it's one reason why we wanted to get our next guest in, a, a guy who we love his work and, and respect him for all that he does and known him for a long time. Sam Amick, uh, Fan House, is joining us now on the Hang Time Podcast. And, uh, Sammy, we I owe you an apology. We were supposed to get you on here during the playoffs last spring, and we didn't. So uh, welcome belatedly to the Hang Time Podcast. No apologies needed, my friend. I appreciate you having me. Hey, man, listen, we, we were just having a conversation about this this lack of contract extensions for the draft class of 2007, and I know you've written some some different things about all of this stuff that's going on with this group. Durant, obviously, you know, Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford gets his done today at the deadline. But But is it stunning to you to see that class with so few guys that teams feel good about going forward? I mean, it would be without the context. I mean, right. I don't think it is, you know, just because of the reality of the labor situation. I mm-hmm. mean, it's obviously a pretty clear sign that, you know, these owners are going to put their uh, their checkbooks away for the most part. You know, I think if you look at the list of guys we're talking that got extensions, you know, uh, Durant is still a no-brainer even with a lockout looming. Sure. You know, he's a, a special talent that you don't you don't want to lose. Uh, you know, and I think uh, you know Joe Kim is a huge piece to what the Bulls are doing. Al is a big piece to what the Hawks are doing. I think it's it's obviously a short list, but you know we kind of know why. Yeah, yeah. This 
is the is the labor situation, Sam? And uh, we talked. We had David Stern on the podcast last week, where he kind of he kind of softened the language that's that had been going around. The rhetoric wasn't nearly as thick with him last week here on the podcast. Are we maybe moving into a place where both sides are going to be willing to negotiate and maybe compromise a little bit, or is this just the calm before the storm? It's hard to tell, Sekou. I mean, here's how I look at it. You know, going into last week before. Stern had his teleconference that, you know, a whole lot of folks were on. Mm-hmm. Um, you really heard a lot about exactly what you said, the two sides softening up. You know, I talked to people on both sides to, to you know, get a, a vibe there, and, and that is what I heard. You had plenty of owners who still were pounding their fist and saying, you know, we want to be the NHL and, and we want a hard cap, but you had, you know, some guys in the room that, that just realized that the idea – of shutting this thing down after what, you know, almost everybody expects to be just one of the most exciting NBA seasons and, and, you know, really in league history, the idea of shutting it down just seemed insane. So, you know, that was maybe why the two sides were softening. But then fast forward to the Stern's teleconference and a lot of the other appearances that he did, um, the rhetoric or not, even his decision to talk about contraction, to me, is it's another hardline stance. Mm-hmm. It's another scare tactic. Um, so now I'm questioning it. I don't know. I mean, I really do feel like, uh, you know, it's still a pretty hard line on, on the league side of things. Sure. You, you've you also been doing this, this bang-up series uh, on, on uh, fanhouse.com uh, on the agents, uh, this entrepreneurs and pirates and – this is fascinating stuff for even for guys like myself who have covered the league for a long time, Sam. I, I would imagine it's been rough getting some of these guys to open up as much as they have to you uh, for this series. Take us through what made you decide to do this and, and how long of a road it's been getting it done. Uh, we're probably talking, I mean, it was midsummer mm-hmm. when I started thinking about getting into it. And to be honest with you, it was uh, – it was a fun process, but it was, you know, the genesis of it was the news portion that relates to, you know, what we're talking about was right. rumblings that Al Horford was going to be switching agents mm-hmm. from Aaron Goodwin to Arn Tellum, uh, conversations about how some of that might have been going down, that, you know, really kind of dovetailing into getting pretty curious on the topic. And, and it wasn't, you know, it's on the one hand, it's hard to find guys to talk, but when you've got a lot of guys that, that hate the way the industry is, sure. um, even if they're living in glass houses themselves, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, it wasn't too hard to get guys to talk. But, uh, you know, it, I don't know if the fans, they got a probably a short attention span on this kind of thing because when you see agents, fans just don't want to hear about it. But it's just a huge part, you know, of the entire league. So I thought it was worth getting into. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, to me it's really interesting. The timing of it, obviously – when Josh Lux comes out and there's word about an agent that paid NFL players and kind of how that works, this thing kind of popped up on the radar after that, and I thought it was a great, you know, uh, avenue for the for us to go down in, in terms of the NBA because not a lot of people understand all the work that goes on behind the scenes and all the dealings that go on. Like, I don't even know if a lot of people were aware that Al Horford had switched agents and whether or yeah. not that was a, a big deal and how much of a factor it played in what went down today, him getting that new that contract extension. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was a blip on the radar. I mean, it had been reported, but not really with uh, with any context or subplot or anything. Um, and I think you might you're going to find you know two different camps on you know the what could have been aspect of Al's deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at it and say, you know, I, I kind of have a hard time thinking that 
that uh, you know I can guarantee you that Aaron Goodwin today is is thinking he could have got a better deal. Sure. You know, five years, sixty million. That's you know, it's a cookie cutter deal that Joe Kim Noah got. Um, so it doesn't seem like a, a ton of negotiating going on there. It's essentially, you know, okay, this is this is what uh, this this guy in my category got, and we're going to go that route. Sure. Um, but but yeah, it's interesting. So what, Sammy? What do you what do you got brewing next at Fan House, man? And I'm, I mean, we read you every day around here, obviously. But uh, what else is brewing over there for for fans to read up on and uh, and get up to speed on? We're just kind of getting rolling with the season, trying to you know, as you know, just uh, let these trends develop and see. <laughs> You know who's going to jump out. You know we got. Uh, seems like the fans are, are getting a little tired of the OKC hype a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm kind of looking at that, wondering, you know, how those boys do. And they obviously uh, had a tough loss the other night to Utah. Uh, you know how it is. Just I was down in LA last week catching up with the champs, and you know they look pretty darn good. And and Kobe, uh, you know, did what he does, which is uh, sound the alarms and 28 <laughs> percent shooting in the preseason and. Everybody, uh, you know, just predicting his demise, and then he's been <laughs> fine. Uh, I mean, I'm fired up, to be honest, to, to see this entire season. You know, Miami is overcovered to no end, but that's okay because that's just an incredible story, and those guys are going to be dangerous, and, you know, there's no shortage of storylines. No doubt about it. I'm sure you, you had an abbreviated summer like the rest of us. It seems like we were walking around downtown L.A. last week at the finals. <laughs> the decision and everything that came with free agency, and here we are back again, so – it's good to hear your voice, Sammy, and hopefully we'll see you down the road, man, and we'll make sure to keep reading FanHouse.com to check you out. I appreciate it, sir. We'll catch up soon. Okay, brother. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, it's interesting. He mentioned uh, the OKC and how, you know, maybe some people are starting to get a little There's tired of them. some blowback. He's, that's a good point. There's going to be some blowback, Michael. I, uh, I really like them, and obviously as a Durant supporter, you know, I have a hard time finding flaws, <laughs> even though they are in the state of Oklahoma. But <laughs> the, the thing that's interesting to me about them is they have had – Almost zero adversity. Yeah, uh, they never had expectations sure. last year. No sure. expectations. You go in as an eight seed. It's going to be interesting to see how they deal with expectations and how they deal with any adversities. Because I can think of so few teams, if any, that have ever just cruised. You know that it never had to overcome any obstacles sure. to get where they're going. Sure. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out for them. I think he raised a great point about not only Oklahoma City, Miami. This the NBA season is a absolute bear to get your hands around. It's a marathon, and people forget about that. You know what what's hot in November, you know, has faded into the background by February. You have to really pace yourself uh, in this league as a as a fan. You know, as as a writer like Sam and and a lot of the guys we know and, and friends of the show, you have to really. <laughs> Find your, you know, your pace to make sure you are not overreacting to things that go on early, and not ignoring the things that may be developing throughout the course of the year. I don't have a problem with Oklahoma City. I don't have a problem with the Heat coverage. I think it's all warranted because we're talking about the stars of stars in this league: Kevin Durant, you know, LeBron, Wade. To me, the the thing that I'm really curious to see about Miami is how long it takes Chris Bosh to find his comfort zone with that Heat team. I think. That first week, you're looking at it going, well, who's the guy that hasn't adjusted or doesn't seem to be adjusting well this thing? It's the one guy that was there nonstop throughout the preseason, Bosh. The one staple during the preseason for them, Wade's injured, LeBron takes a little time off. Bosh was there. Now the regular season starts, and you're looking at Bosh raising an eyebrow. Well, he's the guy really with the most to prove. I mean, LeBron's done it in the playoffs. Wade's done it in the playoffs. Maybe, you know, maybe LeBron doesn't have a title, but – 
Bosch hasn't really proved much, and he has certainly shown he's got great skills, but how is he going to transition into that, and how will he you know, deal with the adversity? Yeah. You know, he talked himself how he felt like he had to get out of Toronto for people to pay attention to him. Well, it's almost like be careful what you wish for. Yeah, we're paying attention now. You know, and you can't have a you can't have a ten point and eight rebound night in Miami. Not with not with this Heat team. Like you know, he could have an off night in Toronto, and that, that may have meant the Raptors didn't win. But it wasn't like he had to face all the scrutiny about it happening. No, no offense whatsoever to our friends in Toronto. Let me ask you are, this: who are diehard? So I don't want to. <laughs> Ashburn upset him last week. I'm not going down that road. <laughs> Let me ask you this though. You know, you, you mentioned it's a marathon, and that's absolutely the case. Having said that, Miami played Orlando already, and they played Boston already. <laughs> what, what? I mean, it seems like most people are saying, look, it's either going to be one of those three, and they're only going to play so many times this year. I mean, any any opening thoughts on how how that shaped up and how you foresee that playing out the yeah, rest of I the mean, year? Yeah, I mean, that's a, good, that's a great question, actually. And I'm sure the the Hawks fans would yell at us and say, "What about us?" And I I don't know if I'm going there, but you know they're, they're the only undefeated team in the division, and, and in the East. So fans pro- won't get mad at you like Toronto. <laughs> but uh, I I agree with you. I think the opening night, I wanted to see a specific matchup. I wanted to see how Rajon Rondo, uh, and that Carlos Arroyo, whoever they're playing at point guard, matched up. And then I wanted to see, you know, exactly how Boston's bigs will fare against that front line of the Heat. And it turned out the way I thought. Uh, I, I put a blog post up called The Blueprint that, you know, was a play obviously on a, on a famous album name, but it was talking about the fact that I think you see out of these matchups what you'll see in the long run generally. The same goes for the Heat blowing the doors off of the Magic. The Magic are a fantastic team, but they match up specifically with other teams because of the way they play. They're 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 an impossible matchup for a team like the Hawks. The same way the Hawks and the Celtics always seem to match much close you know, the, the scores are much closer, the the competition is much different because of the personnel. The Heat remain the one wild card out of this whole thing because they have two guys who can take their games to a completely different level than any other two guys on any of these teams we're talking about. And I, I think that's fair based on what LeBron James and Dwayne Wade have done at this point. My one fly in the ointment or whatever you want to call it, whatever cliche you want to use, my the one asterisk I have on this whole deal, because you're right, those are the teams we're going to be talking about in a, in mid-April. There's no question about it. Those will be the teams that are in the mix, barring injury. For the, you know, when you're talking about Eastern Conference playoffs and who's going to come out of the East. If we haven't seen the best of the Heat yet, and they can go up three, four more notches. I'm not sure everybody else can t- can raise their game up to those levels. And and that's no disrespect to the Celtics or Orlando, but you are what you are when you come back largely intact and you have the same cast and crew there. The Heat, we just don't know. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that game against Boston, you pretty much saw Boston. I mean, that's what you could expect from Boston. I yeah. think everyone is like you said wondering how it'll shake out with the Heat. But you you know, you talked about Rondo. That's that was to me that was my eye opener like yeah. all right, I don't know how Miami mm-hmm. hangs with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I as presently constituted on that roster, I just don't know what they can do to to keep I mean, he has such an advantage yeah. at his position that 
look, I mean, LeBron's the best player in the game, but if you ask me, I'd say the difference between him and Paul Pierce is not the no, difference that it is between close. Rondo that's, and Arroyo. That's a great point. If you really break those teams down, I think the gap between Rondo and whoever he's facing, just like it was last year in the playoffs, up to the finals. I mean, he was Rondo was head and shoulders better than Derek Fisher, who just happens to be a guy who makes stunningly great clutch plays in the playoffs over the last 15 years. You know, Rondo had an advantage every step of the way, and he's going to have that same advantage this year, just like he annihilated Mo Williams in that series. Jameer Nelson couldn't hang with him last year in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, if Rondo, as crazy as it sounds, for all of the talk about the big three here and the big three there, Rondo's the guy that basically is going to turn this playoffs. You know, and it's so or funny season, because they, you know, everyone talks about what playing for Team USA did for Kevin Durant this summer and for Russell Westbrook and for Derrick Rose. I almost wonder if not playing for <laughs> Team USA is going to have that same impact on Rondo. Yeah, they uh, certainly. The folks at, at USA Basketball have unleashed a monster in Rondo because he's going to take it out on everybody else the rest of the season, which is great for us, great for fans of the NBA, uh, you know, certainly. And, and and we won't turn away from it one bit. I mean, I'm 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 watching games at such a ridiculous clip now with League Pass. Um, and I actually watch them on League Pass broadband. I like to have the computer, you know, sitting there. And I'm working the, the BlackBerry and – on one hand, the remote on the other, the computer sitting in front of me. You know, I'm my my wife is a uh, NBA widow right now. She doesn't care about the first few months of the of the fall, but now she is officially an NBA widow. It's a new age being a <laughs> you know a follower of the NBA than it was you know 20, 30 years ago. No question, no question. But listen, we got to get out of here. Uh, the Hang Time Podcast, episode thirty, in the books. Want to thank our guests, NBA TV Steve Smith. Uh, he and his Spartans. Went down in flames. Want to make sure I mention that one more time. Hopefully, Smitty will get all the way to the end of the show so he can hear that one more time. Uh, you know, make sure we get our dig in it, Smitty. Drew Packham, NBA.com's rookie guru, joined us. And Sam Amick of Fan House. So glad to get him in here finally. And certainly we'll be checking back in with him as the season progresses. Um, Micah, see if you can't find Lang. I know, he's, you know, we know he's busy. Get Lang, get Lang out, of, out of bed or wherever he is. I know he called in sick today. Get him back next week, would you? You got it. All right, man. Thanks. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 